Teen Time Presents Podcast On Demand. Log on to podcast.rthk.org.hk. Teen Time Podcast On Demand. This is the Teen Time Science Blog. I'm Neil Chase. News about the environment these days is usually pretty bad. Global warming, pollution, using up the Earth's resources and all the other bad news stories. So it was good to hear recently that trees in the eastern United States seem to be growing faster at the moment, probably as a consequence of more carbon dioxide in the air. A study of hardwood trees in Maryland found that they are growing two to four times as fast as normal, and this has been put down to an increase in CO2 levels. Trees play a vital role in countering global warming because they absorb and store carbon dioxide, the leading greenhouse gas. But whether this growth spurt in trees is sustainable or if it's temporary, we won't know for many years. But for the time being, planet Earth is fighting back. Very few of us are happy with our looks, and most of us would like to shed, well, maybe a kilogram or two. There are hundreds of weight loss plans to choose from, but one of the newest is also one of the most simple. Try living on top of a mountain. In Germany, 20 particularly overweight men have spent a week near the top of the country's highest mountain, and they actually lost weight whilst living there. Their metabolism speeded up, their appetite diminished, and the odd kilogram was shed. Why? Well, mountain air contains less oxygen than air at lower altitudes, so breathing it causes the heart to beat faster and the body to burn more energy. The men were allowed exactly the same diet as they would have had at lower altitudes and were told to do exactly the same things. At the end of the week, the men had lost on average about 1.5 kilograms and their blood pressure had also dropped, which was healthier too. Of course, this is only one short week, and maybe if they had been there longer, then they may have put the weight back on, but it seems that living up a mountain might just keep you thin. Reality TV programs seem to be on all the time these days, but if you're looking for something completely different in reality TV, then try checking out the website nasa.gov station. The NASA organization has just started beaming down live TV from the International Space Station, 350 kilometers above the Earth. The space station is currently home to five astronauts, and the TV stream shows their activities in orbit and also includes communications between the astronauts and mission control. The live stream isn't on all the time and tends to be concentrated on when the astronauts are awake, but it really is going on right above our heads and you can see it live. And it makes a great change from American Idol. I mentioned last week on the science blog that scientists are starting to figure out what color dinosaurs were millions of years ago. Well, although we're not sure of the color, a new fossilized snake has just been discovered in South America that was about 15 meters long. The Titanoboa is the largest snake that the world has ever known. 
It existed 60 million years ago and probably lived on a diet of crocodiles. At the moment, the longest snake in existence is either the anaconda or the python. They're about the same, but neither one grows much longer than 10 meters. So the 15 meter long prehistoric snake would have been much more terrifying. Are we relying on computers too much for recording our lives? If there was a global catastrophe, then how much would future generations be able to discover about us? Books are more likely to survive a digital doomsday, and so should we be storing our information differently to keep it safe? Whatever your religious beliefs, the Quran and the Bible have both survived thousands of years by being in print and older drawings on the insides of caves also tells us a lot about prehistoric man. So, if our civilization was wiped out and our computer systems along with it, then what would any future generation be able to reconstruct about us? This is one question that some scientists are wondering now, and so whether we should revert to more old-fashioned ways of recording data, just in case. Of course, there's no guarantee that books or the printed word might not be destroyed too, but perhaps something tangible is safer than storing something electronically. We wouldn't need to store everything differently. I don't think a civilization 1,000 years in the future would be interested in my Facebook comments, but perhaps we should selectively store significant data differently, or at least consider it. I'm Neil Chase, and that's it for the Science Blog for another week. Kung Hei Fat Choi for the Year of the Tiger, and I'll see you next week. Teen Time presents Podcast On Demand. Log on to podcast.rthk.org.hk. Teen Time Podcast On Demand.